are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Show me your relationship and my, myself as well. We show our relationship to money, and we always will show and reveal our relationship to God. Nobody in this church other than me probably uses a checkbook anymore. Can we turn this up a tad, please? But if you have a checkbook ledger, ledger, it will reveal where your priority is. Some have made their priority food. And that's why you'll see ATM, Burger King, Carl's Jr., pizza, this. And I'm not suggesting we cannot have those things. God says having food and raiment be content. So we know we have to have food. But some spend really the bulk of their money on food. Others spend it on amusement. Others spend it on the future, investments, 401Ks, whatever the number is now, 403, whatever the number is, I don't know. Others spend it on Wall Street. And uh, it's nothing wrong for you to have something on Wall Street. I have no idea how to read Wall Street. So I don't have investment there. Miss Treber and I, and we may miss. I don't know. I don't have planning missing any Sunday, the remainder of this year. But we just come to church all the time. We've been here on March 1st to be 44 years. And it's not wrong if you do this. But we have never missed one holiday in this church in 43 and a half years. We've been to every Thanksgiving, every Christmas, every New Year's, every Valentine's Day, every St. Patrick's Day, which we don't celebrate, but every St. Patrick's Day, every Easter, every Mother's Day, every Father's Day, every Father's Day, every Father's Day. Uh, we, we, we have been every July 4th. It doesn't make us a better Christian. We just want to be here. Now we have kids that one family's left and two of our boys are out pastoring. Uh, we're going to have to get to see them. We want to see them. We want to be there. We want to see those grandkids. We love them. There's nine that are away from us. It's a very sad thing to see your kids move away, but they're serving God. But God, God, God shows us so much about money in the Bible. Do you know that God speaks more about money than he does about heaven and hell combined? God speaks 2,350 times in the Bible about money. Uh, he said, well, I'm, I'm rich because I have an uh, MBA from Harvard. Well, God bless you. Harvard, by the way, was a Bible college. It began as a Bible college, like Yale began as a Bible college, like Dartmouth began as a Bible. The Ivy League schools were all Bible colleges. Yeah, Harvard started in 1638. Yale in 1701. These are Bible colleges to train people to get the message of salvation to the world. Thank God for Bible colleges. But you have an MBA. You say, well, I'm so smart. Don't forget what God says in Deuteronomy. It is God, it is God that giveth thee power to gain wealth. All you need to have is one spell with spinal meningitis and completely have your brain fried, and you'll find out how smart you are. My twin sister began walking at nine months. 
I began walking at 13 months. And I don't say this to be humorous. My parents moved here to California. We landed in San Carlos before we moved to Centerville, which is now Fremont. But when she was two years of age, she became very sick. And my mother and dad would live in that hospital with her meningitis. And when it was all finished, she had to learn how to walk again and crawl again and speak again. We think we're so smart because we have these smart brains, but God gives us those brains. God gives us health and God gives us strength. And the Bible speaks so much about money because this world revolves around money. That's what Washington DC will spend her time this week. That and impeachment and other things. God's word says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. A man said years ago, he said, I, I, I got a job for one year. I can't come to church for one year on Sunday because I'm gonna be able to pay my house off, this job, these things I'm gonna do, and I'm gonna be ahead. It's gonna be good for my children, for my wife, but within the year, the wife left him. God needs to be the priorities in our life because we have a publications ministry here and our own publications. I get books all the time from different uh, publications and a publication came to me, sent to me recently a new book by two Harvard men that uh, graduate their MBA, brilliant men. They have great jobs, they have wives and family, they're in their 30s now. But those boys said, we have figured out, and this is not a nowadays a Bible college. They said, we have figured out our lives, we wanna live on 10, and give God 90. And everywhere we go in life, we wanna make investment in that which is gonna count for eternity. Had babies born in our church galore this year. We have more coming and it's wonderful. We've been here all these years and a baby, when they're born, soon they start to grab and reach and try to hold on to the thing. But contrary to John Wayne's dying movies and all the Western movies, you don't die with your hand on the Uh, on the trigger with the pistol. You come into this world grabbing and you always leave and I've stood at the the, the death of so many people through these years and I've watched it, the hand goes open. You're not taking it with you. God says take no thought for tomorrow for tomorrow shall take sufficient of itself. Uh, God tells us about money that that, uh, give and it shall be given. Good measure, pressed together, shaken together. Uh, good measure and overflowing shall men give into your bosom. The purpose is to become a funnel. To not amass, amass for ourselves, but that God gives to us so that we might give to others on the pathway of life. I won't call his name, he's sitting in here right now, but he came up this morning to church and he said, I, I was invited to church. And he said, this man, uh, he, he must have saw him having a little hard time and he was at a place and he bought me a meal this week. I want to come to this church. That's what Christianity is about. And I believe that it's okay to have wealth. God gives us and he gives people at salvation. Romans chapter 12, some of you have been gifted with the ability to earn money, but it's not for yourself. We're a funnel. I said somewhere yesterday, I was in a meeting and I said, I said to the people that were there that it's nothing wrong with having wealth. Joseph of Arimathea was a rich man. 
and his tomb that he had bought for himself, he gave it so that they could bury Jesus in that tomb. Moses was a rich man. Solomon was a rich man. David was a rich man. But riches are not for ourselves. There's a world, 7.7 billion people that need the message of salvation that Jesus saves. There's a hurting world out here. If you don't believe that, go to a children's cancer ward. I was at the hospital this past week, and as I was making visits, I, I walked through the children's hospital at Stanford. It always breaks my heart to see that. There are mothers in Stanford with their children, and perhaps fathers today, and their children are going through chemotherapy and through difficult times of life. Make me a blessing, we sing. And today, there'll never be a revival in the church if we begin to hoard for ourselves. Every time you see that the church went wrong in the Bible or the children of Israel went wrong in the Bible, it's because it began to reach for money for themselves. And their theology gets wrong. The church is not a museum for dead saints. The church is a place where we get uh, encouraged in the things of God and we get as soldiers released from this place after church tonight and even after church this morning with the purpose of look all around you, find someone in need, help somebody today. And though it be small, some neighborly need, help somebody today. We were living in the same house over here 26 years and over here, and now the last seven years we live in this neighborhood right across the way. And in our neighborhood, I just always do this two, three times a, a, a week. I, I'll take my battery pack blower and I'll blow my leaves off and blow my yard off and I do my neighbors on this side and sometimes the next neighbors and I do this neighbor here and sometimes and I always do two, one, two neighbors on each side. Last Sunday night, five o'clock, the shuttle bus came to pick me up. There's my neighbor, Nestor. Nestor's about my age. He lives in a wheelchair. He lives with the trach. He lives with the oxygen tank. It's a very sad thing to see, such a sweet neighbor. And he's out in the street in his wheelchair with a power blower. My wife said, look at this. He's blowing not just my yard, but my neighbor on this side, my neighbor here, my yard, his yard and his neighbor with, with one hand and a, I said, Nestor, what in the world are you doing? You know what he's doing? He was investing in people. I doubt if he has any money. But I do know this. He's not sitting in his house feeling sorry for himself. And I see when I'm there, I'll see the trucks coming every day bringing medical supplies to him, these I don't know what they're called, Amazon or whatever it is. I will say this, we must leave here with the desire to find needs. I know this morning as I spoke, and though there's not rich people here, maybe there are friends or watching that, that could write the check for 500,000 I mentioned today. It's not that the church needs more money nationwide. It's that God's people need to invest what God's done. I'm not suggesting we live like paupers. I'm suggesting what Jesus said in the book of Acts, it is more blessed to give than to receive. 
I pastor, I believe in my life, the most giving, caring people in the world. Not one member here would ever stand in a line at Starbucks without buying a cup of coffee for a police officer. It happens all the time. So many times people say, you must be from North Valley. Because the police officer always says, you have to be from that church. And they'll say so often our pastors taught us it is good to give to those that don't care. Say, well, you know how these cops are today? They're good, don't call next time you're broken into. Do you know we're in a world that, we'll get to our text, we're in a world that everybody wants what the next guy has. That's why every six seconds, every six seconds, there's a home invasion. One, 1,001, 1,002, 1,003, 1,004, 1,005, 1,006, break in right now. 1,001, 1,002, 1,003, 1,004, 1,005, break in right now. Every four seconds, there's a car that's broken into. This is in America, one nation under God. What God says in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not steal. God is not about teaching us to steal. God's word is about teaching us to give. For God so loved the world that he, say it together, gave. A revival will always begin when the pocketbook is revived. Our God created the heavens and earth. And on the sixth day he rested, the seventh day he rested. But the last of his creation was a man called Adam and his wife called Eve. God said, it's all yours. You can have everything. All of it you can have, but one item. And what did Adam want? The one item God said he could not have. That one item belonged to God. You can have the other trees. I'm not a horticulturist. I don't know a lot about that like I'd like to know. But I understand that all trees root from basically one, uh, from 10 different varieties. And you can trace it back to 10. And if that is true, there must have been 10 types of trees in the garden with a source, could have had offshoots. I planted on our tree, our property one time here about eight years ago, seven years ago, 28 trees. And I thought I was planting a beautiful couple of maple trees that were this color, but after I pet, and it's beautiful colors, getting ready to start changing in the backyard, but I found out that there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kinds of maples. And someone took me online, I'd be able to study all the different color, liquid golds and, and the beautiful reds and all the different colors. But if it is true that there are 10 basic root trees in, America, in the world, God may have put those 10 there and said, Adam, you take nine, I'll take one. Where's our investment today? I think of these missionaries and Pastor Poussin is in charge of all of our missionaries worldwide and those letters keep coming in and everyone says, we have these needs. We have a need for a building. We have a need for this, we have a need for that. We've built now 20, 375 churches in the Philippines. Build a church and give a pastor a salary for a year and then they're off and running. It's an amazing thing to see how it's been working. 
a missionary over in Uganda. He's texted me on my phone. I still can't get over how you can do that from Uganda to my phone. And he texted me a picture from Uganda last week. He said, here's the $60,000 vehicle that you purchased. And here I am with the chief, the chief in a village that he got to, and he could not have ever got there without the vehicle we purchased for him. The, the chief is about this tall. All short, short little people. But you know those short little people in the Philippines need the gospel of Jesus Christ? And here's a church in America from the Silicon Valley that in just about five, six days gave $60,000 cash. We need 60,000 here. We gotta have it right now. It keeps me awake at night. The tremendous amount of load. We gotta pray in a million dollars a month. What it takes with an offering plate to keep a church like this going. But guess what? We also need to sow. We sow and we reap. And we sowed to that missionary, and we've been sowing to the Philippines, and we've been sowing around the world. <clears throat> right now, this is even getting to the communist countries that are behind Iron Curtain. I don't know how it's happening, but we have listeners all the time. We have all these radio stations around the nation that have that 15-minute radio broadcast every day. And we're not asking for money. We're not doing that. We're just getting the gospel of the message of Jesus Christ. When you're driving down the road in Nashville or Chicago or Miami or Philadelphia or Boston or Cheyenne, you can hear that Jesus is the answer. I'm saying today there needs to be a revival of our pocketbook. In Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, and Acts chapter 3, and Acts chapter 4, where we read, Great things were happening. 3,000 got saved, revival. The power of Pentecost. They were endued with the power of the Holy Spirit of God. People were getting saved, people were getting changed, people were getting, their uh, lives were transformed. And he says in chapter four, verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby ye must be saved. And they were experiencing it. But then you come to chapter five. And this couple that Brother Bertram read to us about, Ananias and Sapphira, they heard of the needs in other places and people began to sell their possessions and their houses and their lands. And they brought back all the money and gave it so they could help others on the journey of life. I don't know if it was wrong. I don't think it would have been wrong for Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, to keep back and hold back. I'm not saying that you have to give everything away and live in a tent in your backyard or somebody else's back. I'm not suggesting that. But I do know that God says it's more blessed to give. But we ought to give with honesty of heart. And apparently, according to this, they hid from the church what they were doing. And they said in that text that, have, have you given, have you given Ananias, he goes, oh yes. And he says, you've lied. So he did not tell the truth. And he died. And his wife walks in, not knowing the Bible says what had happened. And she said, did, they said, did you do this? And the Bible says, she lied. And when she lied, and I, I, I'm, I'm, let me just stop. I think it's a shame what our government's doing with our taxes. It's dishonest. Abraham Lincoln said, no country will ever survive under a heavy taxation burden by the government. 
It's terrible what's happening. We're told that, what is it, middle of July till we ever make any money because that's what it takes to pay taxes more than half the year. That's wrong. But until the laws change, I have to pay my taxes. I believe a good tax structure would be this, 10% to God, 5% for government. I think God needs to be a head of government. But we don't have it in that society. And so when I go to the gas pump and it's 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 cents extra for taxes in this state and federal tax as well, I have to pay it per gallon and so do you. You say, well, why is tax, why is our gasoline so high in California? Well, first it's coming from our nation, but if it's coming from another country, it's coming to our ports first because of taxation. But if God tells us to render under Caesar the things that are Caesar, and Caesar decided that this is what's gonna belong to me, and render unto God the things that are God, we need to obey the law. Today we find that if you get to chapter one, two, three, and four, thousands being saved, when you get to chapter five, they started lying about their money. And in chapter six of Acts, now there's division in the church. And the widows felt like they were being neglected in the daily menstruation, caring for the widows in the church. And they began to complain against one another. And the Bible says, those preachers said, it's not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Choose you out among you seven men of honest report. And see, it begins with honesty. And handling money deals with, with honesty. I've been teaching our class on stewardship and money in our, in our young couples class. I'm told the average American's $23,000 in debt on credit cards. I'm told that, uh, uh, I, I want to say it was 90 million people still had debt from two years ago Christmas. You know, you may not be able to give all the gifts you want to give. You got to get out of debt. We don't owe people. We pay our bills. That's what a Christian does. And so well, I declare bankruptcy, I can't, but somebody's going to have to pay that bill. God wants us honest with himself, with man. You owe people money, you have to pay the money. And here the Bible speaks in this text that they were division now. But isn't it amazing when they got the division handled and they took out and rooted out the leaven, they rooted out the rotten apple, all of a sudden God started blessing the church again. And the church started moving forward to the point where you begin to see people again, again saved and getting baptized and getting right. And you get to chapter 13, they say, guess what? We get to chapter eight, verse one. They're gonna finally apply chapter one, verse eight. They're gonna scatter everywhere to preach the gospel, chapter eight, verse one. Chapter 13, they're gonna send missionaries out around the world and get the gospel everywhere. So, well, why do we have to be in one of these giving churches all the time? Why does he come up with these ideas? Because it's Bible. On Wednesdays, I go to elementary chapel at the school, high school chapel. I've been telling the elementary kids who are not in here, but they'll be here tonight. I said, kids, when you get to church this Sunday night, there'll be a Thanksgiving envelope. Say, you mean he's working our kids? Wait a minute. I said, children, you're gonna have the opportunity, which will be next week, to have a Thanksgiving list in your bulletin. And I want you to write your blessings for 20, 
19. But then according to the Bible, when God began to move with that Old Testament, what we'll call the church, 1 Chronicles 29, 11, they gave a thank offering to God. And I said, children, I don't know how much you have. I wondered, could you find a penny? I, I, I've already told the people who ever count the money, I said, you're gonna probably get a lot of pennies and nickels. I'm not trying to get your kids' savings accounts and all their Christmas. I'm not trying to get their birthday money. But I'd like every child to learn to give a penny for Thanksgiving. And learn the joy of giving to God. And learn the habit. Every man, you'll see it up here, whatever pastors are sitting up here. We all tithe. I tithe this morning. I gave my tithes and offerings. I gave to the vision fund, my wife and I. We gave to the buses. We gave to uh, the mortgage today. We gave to missions. We gave to the general account. We gave to all those accounts this morning. We have tithe now for the day, for the week. But there won't be an offering time go by that I won't put something in a dollar. I believe your children, and they're not in here so I could say this. They ought to see my grandpa, my grandma, my dad, my mom putting something. Put a penny in. They ought to see that the plate is passed. My dad participates. Well, I, I think they ought to learn that if, if one of these men were preaching today and he said, turn with me in your Bibles to John 3, 16, you've got to be kidding me. I know that verse. I don't have to turn there. But you know what I do? Because I want to set a good example. I want to turn to John 3, 16. And if the preacher was preaching today, he said, now look at here at the fourth word. I want to look at the fourth word. Because I want the people of God in this church, and we've had generational Christians. We've got 180 of our own kids out of our high school that are now through college serving God all around this world in full-time ministry. We have uh, 700 graduates out of the college that are serving God with their life. I want them to see on the men on the platform and the mothers and dads in the pew an example when God says something or God's word says that we obey it. I'm still not to my message and I'm over time. I'm just getting started. I'm in my introduction. No, I can't. We can mess the buses up. You know, in giving, God gives us a scriptural obedience. Malachi 3, 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 through 3. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you, myself included, lay by him in store as God has prospered him. That there be no gatherings when I come. The preacher that was buried on Friday was younger than me. He sang in this pulpit so many times. A week ago, Sunday, I had no idea that it'd fall off the roof, perhaps a heart attack, head first, and perish immediately. I recall the, the Davis girls, Heather and Amy, and I recall exactly it was on a Saturday morning 16 years ago, last Friday, when I received a call from their mom. My roommate was gone, 51 years of age. Life is but a vapor. And when it, my journey is over, and I'm laid to rest in Santa Clara, and it says the date of my birth and the date of my death, I hope that dash in between the two, 
I hope there'll be some things that are in there that he was an honest man, he was a good man, he was a kind man, he was a giving man, he was a working man. I, I don't know, and maybe it will be for others say, we never liked him, he, he was this. I don't know what people, I told my wife, no long funeral. But I do know this, I wanna be scripturally obedient to God. Secondly, I need to exercise, or you need to exercise your gift, Romans 12. If God has given you the ability to make money, it's not for ourselves. Number three, it reflects our attitude toward God. Ananias and Sapphira, by the way, look at chapter eight, verse number nine, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. Jesus had heaven, he came down to earth. He had all that he needed, and yet he came for the purpose to be betrayed and to die on a cross for our sins. Now I know Baptists were not Protestants. We never protested against anything. But a study over the last 90 years from 1916 to the day we let 100 years now, it showed that from 1916 to 1955, we grew every single year in our giving to the work of God. But the last report in 2006, we are giving less to God in, 20, in 2006 than we were in 1916. Because we're amassing to ourselves. Ms. Treber and I came here 43 and a half years ago. The problems were not as great as they are with people today. I don't know if it's the internet or what it's doing, but it just seems like, and I love this church more than anything. It's a babysitting service. People are offended. A lot of you smiling. You know what I'm talking about. You just a babysitting service. Everybody gets offended. I'm mad. I'm going to leave. I'm going to tell tell on online what what my problem is. But that's the absence of revival. And that's the absence of where your treasure is. And thank you for reading that and praying that way. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. In Exodus 36, they were building a house of God. And the people gave so much that Moses had to come and said, you give too much. Wouldn't that be something for a Baptist preacher to say you give too much? I'm not trying to hurt God's people. I'm trying to help us hold the things of this earth with a loose hand. Nehemiah chapter 13, God raised up a man by the name of Nehemiah. He put a wall around the city of Jerusalem for two million Jews to be safe again. Did it in 52 days. He left town and left the work in the hand of another. He came back in chapter 13. He discovered that they shut the house of God up and no longer were they giving their tithes and offerings, and they did not take care of the things of God. And they were merchandising on the Sabbath day. And they said, if you don't stop this, and I love the way this Baptist preacher said it, I'm going to lay my hands on you. Would that be something? I guess that's called assault nowadays. I'm asking you as we close out the year, November, December, could you look back and say, I've invested in people? Has there been any investment in a widow, a needy widow? 
Has there been an investment, the Bible says, in fatherless children, boys and girls? And I know some of you rode the bus today. And parents, God bless you. But I do know this. Every Sunday, almost every one of our teenagers that are here at the other property have a father in jail or a mother in jail or both. This is a hurting world. I do know when our men go into juvenile hall, and I know it should be a success story with everyone, but they'll say, hey, I rode the bus. I know the bus. I know North Valley Baptist Church. That's my church. I was visiting over in Elmwood here a few years ago, Elmwood Jail. And as I walked in, they said, just go there. And I walked through the yard. And I had a suit on, a tie on, and just going to visit. And they all said, hey, hey. They thought I was a lawyer. Come see me. I'm not guilty. <laughs> I walked into a large room, larger than this platform. There was a lot of, many, it was all, all ladies, no men. Older women, grandma-type ladies. And then there are some about my age and younger. I began to give a gospel track, and they said, when you go in there, they'll be assembled in a big room. Will you speak to my grandson? He's a good boy. He's done wrong. Would you speak to my son in there? He's awaiting sentencing. As I walked in that room, I don't remember now, but I think it was six, it was either six or eight times, different one of those boys said, hey, pastor. I didn't know any of them. They knew me. They said, hey, hey, I've ridden the bus to church. Hey, pastor, I messed up so bad. I could go away for years. Pastor, will you pray with me? There's a hurting world out here today. I went by a house over here in Agnew Village a couple of years ago. And on a Saturday morning, every window of the house had been broken out. He came home drunk and got so mad, he broke every window in the house. There's a hurting world out there. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.